travelers, and welcome into episode 14 of Travel with Thomaswick. I'm your host, Laura Thomaswick. I'm feeling pretty good and relaxed right now, y'all. I just got back from my honeymoon two days ago. If you follow the show, then you know that I got married back in October. So it's been a while since I got married, but Jordan and I decided to do a delayed honeymoon. We went to Jamaica and based off of the time of the year we got married, we were worried uh, that we might get hit with a tropical storm or hurricane. So we wanted to give it a while and try to ensure the best weather possible. I can't speak for what the weather was like in October in Jamaica, but it was absolutely gorgeous the week we were there. So we were at a Sandals Resort in Montego Bay, Jamaica, and that's what my next episode is going to be all about. So I'm really excited to share my experience with you. We had a ton of fun and I got a lot of good information and tips to share with you. This was our first time um, traveling out of the country together as a couple. My first time at an all-inclusive resort. I learned some things about going through customs and whatnot. A lot has changed in the last eight years since I've traveled outside of the country last. So be on the lookout for that episode. Today we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl. I was able to get in touch with my good friend Dusty, so we're going to be hearing from him shortly. Dusty attended Super Bowl 54 this past February, so So I got him on the horn to tell me a little bit about his experience and see what tips he had to share. But before we get into that, I want to share some feedback that I got based off of the last episode. So last time around, we talked about health and fitness on the road. So we talked a little bit about how you might be able to eat healthier if you're traveling. And I gave you some suggestions for potential workouts you might be able to implement if you're regularly traveling for work or just looking to stay working out while you're traveling for pleasure. So I heard from one of my good friends, Kansas, and she gave me some other ideas for uh, ways that you might be able to stay fit and work out while you're on the road. So the first thing she mentioned is that the YMCA does offer a national membership. So you could register for one of those. And if there's a YMCA in the area where you're traveling, uh, that could be an option for you. I did try to delve into this a little bit further to see if I could figure out what kind of a cost that would be. And it was a little difficult for me to get a read on. I went through the steps to register for a membership at my local YMCA and it spit back an estimate of about $32 per month. I'm not sure if it's as simple as once you register, you're able to uh, use the national membership or if there would be an additional cost that you would have to incur to take advantage of the uh, national availability of uh, the different YMCA locations. But I did find some other information that I thought was worth sharing. So they mentioned that there are 2,600 locations that do participate in the National YMCA membership. This national membership is only valid for full facility YMCA members. So I believe there are special memberships or program only participants that would not be able to take advantage of the national membership. But the big sticking point for me is that I did find a little note that said on a monthly basis, visit must use their home Y at least 50% of the time. So a program like this would not have worked for me back in 2013 to 2015 when I was pretty much traveling on a weekly basis for work. The website said that if you're coming into a time where you're going to uh, be traveling a lot and you're not going to be able to meet that 50% requirement, then they recommended that you actually put your membership on hold. So I think that would be a really good option if your travel percentage is 50% or less 
less or you're traveling for fun and you're just looking to stay fit while you're on the road taking vacations. Uh, But if you're traveling as much as I was when I first started my career, fresh out of college, I was traveling probably 90% of the time. The YMCA membership sounds like it wouldn't have been a valid option for me. Now, Kansas lives in North Carolina. I think she specifically lives in Raleigh. And another thing she suggested, which sounded really cool to me, she said that their local breweries have a run club that meets on weekday evenings. And so you just meet up at the brewery and you go running. I've never been to a run club, so I'm not sure how that works, if they have a a set number of miles that everyone runs or what the, the story is on how that works. But I thought that sounded like something really cool that I would absolutely love to explore and potentially take advantage of. She mentioned that she's not sure if that's specific to her area and where she lives or if that might be something that breweries and other regions are doing. Uh, So just something to check out if you're traveling and you're looking for a little different way to work out. And an added bonus is you can finish your run with a brew. Kansas also took a look at my 30 before 30 list that I had referenced in the last episode. And she had seen one of my bucket list items before I'm 30 is to run a half marathon. Kansas is a big runner. She's participated in all kinds of half marathons. And I know she's done them in various locations. So she had texted me and recommended the Disney Princess Half Marathon, which she actually had recently run herself. She said it is a little pricey, but it's amazing and absolutely worth participating in. She said that they played Cinderella on the jumbotrons throughout the park, throughout the duration of the race. It sounds like they had people dressed up as all types of characters. So a lot of the runners were pausing to take pictures with the different characters. She said there was Disney music that was playing. So overall, it sounds like a really good time. And if you're one of those people who isn't necessarily concerned about how quickly you're able to run this half marathon, and sometimes you might need to stop and take a little bit of a break, it sounds like this Disney Princess half marathon might be the type of race for you. For me, I've really been struggling to get back into the swing of running when I was traveling between 2013 and 2015. As I alluded in the last episode, there wasn't really anything else for me to do once I got off work. So I was an avid runner. I was running, you know, anywhere between three and five miles on a daily basis. I didn't have a whole lot to do on the weekends. So even getting up on Saturday mornings and running on the weekends wasn't a big deal. But lately, I've really been struggling to to build that routine. I'll do other types of cardio workout, but I just can't get back into running for whatever the reason. So putting it on my bucket list or my 30 before 30 list was really just intended to help me prove to myself that I can stick to a training regimen and get back into running. So wish me luck on that. Kansas said that her next running bucket list item is the Disney Fantasy Challenge, which it sounds like that's a weekend long event where there's a different running event Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Friday is a 5k, Saturday is a 10k, and then Sunday is a half marathon. So mad props to you, Kansas, for challenging yourself and being able to run those kind of distances. Keep me posted on 
how that goes. And uh, maybe we can get you on here to tell everyone about that experience and just your experience doing Disney races as a whole. Thank you so much for your feedback, Kansas. For anyone else who ever wants to leave me feedback based off of an episode or has suggestions of topics they want to hear about on the show, there are numerous ways that you can contact me. The first, you can go to my blog. If you take a look at the description of this episode, there is a link to access that. You can leave me a message or a comment on a specific blog post. You can send me an email through my my blog as well. You can also get a hold of me through Facebook via the Michigan Podcasting Network's Facebook page. Once you like that Facebook page, you are going to get updates anytime Travel with Thomas Wick posts an episode. So you can also leave comments that way. Liking the Michigan Podcasting Network's Facebook page is also going to give you updates regarding two other podcasts that are part of the MPN family. The first is one I've referenced pretty regularly. Don't forget the Popcorn, the Dave and Wes movie podcast. They talk all about uh, movies and entertainment. We've also had another series join the family since the last time I've posted an episode. That podcast is called A Talk in the Attic, and it's hosted by a gentleman of the name Kirk Ross. He's got an interesting story and a a pretty cool mission. He's been talking with some people very openly and candidly about some of the struggles and challenges they've had to overcome throughout their lifetime. So it's a pretty interesting series if you're looking for some new content to check out. All right, now for today's main event. I had the chance to talk with my good friend Dusty Mitchell about his experience going to this year's Super Bowl. Dusty grew up in Barrington, Kansas, so he's a huge Chiefs fan. So once the Chiefs clinched the AFC championship, he knew he had to go. As far as my background and how I know Dusty, I first met Dusty while doing my undergrad at Northwood University in Midland, Michigan. At the time, I was first best friends with his wife, so that's how we really got to know each other. And then I think it was our junior year of college, college, his wife ended up doing a study abroad for a lack of a better description. Northwood at the time had three different campuses. They had one in Michigan, one in Florida, and one in Texas. And so she decided to do a semester at the Texas campus. So she went off for that time period. And even in her absence, Dusty and I um, still ended up spending a lot of time together. So we really did develop our our own friendship. Just like his wife, he's one of my best friends. He's an absolute sweetheart. But Dusty was kind enough to talk to me about his experience. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that interview and that phone call that I had with him. And then I'll come back and I'll share some other tidbits before wrapping up the show. So talk to you soon. You had the chance to go to the 2020 Super Bowl, which was the 49ers versus the Chiefs. You're a huge Chiefs fan. So walk me through, maybe it wasn't a very long process, but how this went from being an idea that, oh, hey, it'd be cool to go to the Super Bowl to like, oh my gosh, you're actually going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so pretty easy story, right? Um, AFC Championship game, watching it, Chiefs come back, win, you know, not even thinking about it. I just kind of make the joke to my wife and say, you know, it'd be really fun to go to the Super Bowl, you know. Then I go put my uh, my three-month-old down for bed, and she comes out, and she's like, you should go. I'm like, no, you're kidding, right? You should go. No, you should go, absolutely. So with that, I was like, okay. 
you know, went and did the price it out thing, negotiated with her, uh, came to the agreement that, yeah, once in a lifetime opportunity. So make it happen. By the way, Dusty's wife is amazing. She's also one of my best friends from college. So yes, big big kudos to my wife. Yes. I was going to say the proof is in the pudding in regards to her being awesome based off of that little story right there. Yeah. I mean, she sent me. So, I mean, basically that's what it is. That's awesome. Um, so what kind of like planning went into it? Like, how did you figure out where you were going to stay and that kind of detail? Yeah. So that, that was a little overwhelming at first when she gave me kind of the go ahead and we started looking at, uh, you know, okay, well, what's it going to take to get there? Um, you know, first thing I did was went to the official chiefs website, uh, checked it out. And of course, you know, chiefs just won, they're going to the super bowl. So, uh, there's a link, you know, get tickets, right. Get packages, get all this stuff. So we're like, all right, cool. Clicked it. Um, went there, started to review it. So, uh, went through a company, um, called NFL on location. Um, it's a company that's kind of like the official, uh, I guess you could say hospitality partner of the chief or of the NFL, not just the chiefs, but the NFL. And so they had, uh, packages, um, for, uh, both Niners and Chiefs fans and, you know, clicking through it. That's when we were able to estimate it, but that's, that's how we ended up finding the tickets. Um, included tickets and hotel, so you know you didn't have to work through that. Then it was just a matter of getting an airplane and uh, getting down there. So, did they have any um, like plane tickets in with their packages, or was it because you're flying from Michigan and most of the packages were quoted from Kansas City? Yep, you you uh, hit the nail right on the head. It was because uh, those those would actually come from uh, Kansas City or San Francisco. So they did have the packages, but not from Detroit. Um, so that, that wasn't too bad, though. Where did you end up staying? So I was in Fort Lauderdale. I was at the uh, Weston Beach Resort. Uh, okay. It's right off kind of like the main strip that runs along the coast uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Literally, I look out my window, and it's just the ocean, which is oh, pretty neat. Uh you know, and they have a little walkway that takes you right over to the beach, which was cool. I didn't spend much time at the beach, but um, but it was it was very close in proximity. So really nice hotel. Uh, everybody there was awesome. I mean, they I, I'd be hard pressed if they weren't awesome. You know, you got all these fans in there who are potentially high rollers who are gonna you know come back someday. I don't know if I'll be back, but. Okay. <laughs> So take me through the weekend then, because I know that you texted me a little bit beforehand and I'd never really thought about it before. Like obviously the Super Bowl is on Sunday, but you had mentioned that there were different activities um, on the different nights leading up to the Super Bowl. So it makes sense because you have all of those people traveling in from um, other cities and they're going to be there all weekend, but I just never thought about it before. So what all kinds of events and activities did they have going on? Yeah, so, um, you know, flew in Friday, uh, got in mid-afternoon, got situated at the hotel. Um, during the entire week, they had uh, what's called Super Bowl Live in, in my, downtown Miami. Uh, it was kind of an outdoor event where people could go and kind of look at some past Super Bowl stuff, do some, um, 
Super Bowl related activities. There were sponsors out there. Uh, it was open to the public, completely free. So uh, you could just walk in um, and take a look around. They had merchandise, and uh, uh, you know, I took a few pictures. Uh, they separated some of the Chiefs stuff and the Niners stuff, and and so that's what that's what you could do all week if you really wanted to go do it. Um, Saturday, um, weather was a little bit on the rough side with the rain. Uh, but luckily I was able to run into somebody down there and we kind of hooked up and, and, and kind of were like, all right, let's be partners in crime for the weekend. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, we decided to go to this thing called NFL on experience. Now it was like 40 bucks to go, but, um, probably the outside of the Super Bowl was probably the, the most coolest experience that I had down there. Um, got to go in, waited in line, got to take a picture with the Lombardi trophy, uh, the, the Lamar Hunt trophy, uh, which is really cool as a Chiefs fan, given that Lamar Hunt was our uh, um, owner for quite some time. Uh, now his son Clark is the owner, so uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. Got to look at some Super Bowl rings, um, some of those uh, crystal type helmets. Got to you know go around and see a lot a lot of different activities. Um, it was a really cool event that they had, uh, and it, and it kept you indoors during a rainy day. So. Um, that was pretty much Saturday during the day. Uh, Saturday night, um, as part of our on-location package, they had what was called a Chiefs takeover. Um, so one of the, the bars down in Fort Lauderdale, actually they had three of them, but there's, there was one in Fort Lauderdale specifically that uh, they, were, they were going to say, okay, the Chiefs fans – from the on location thing could go there and they give you like a wristband you could get a few drinks and you know discount on your uh food and whatnot and um so we went to that saturday night and that was pretty fun um and then met a couple cheese fans who found out that um there's a guy from kansas city can't remember who he was but he ended up getting kind of like a block party set up in downtown fort lauderdale um like a an actual resident of Kansas City or one of the yeah. Chiefs like a businessman of Kansas City I don't I can't remember who it was um, oh my but gosh. some of the people that I was kind of talking to heard about it so we all ubered over there um, we get there and like the whole streets blocked off you know nothing but Chiefs fans everywhere you can just see a sea of of our red not the Niner red but our red um, <laughs> you can tell the difference um, <laughs> So, you know, we're walking in like, this is so cool. You know, the streets shut down. People are walking around, having a great time. Uh, people I'm hanging out with are, you know, let's go to this this bar called America's Backyard. And I'm like, all right, cool. It sounds kind of neat, right? So we go in there, and it's like they're doing, like, the tomahawk chop in there. I mean, they're just elbow-to-elbow Chiefs fans. And so um, went in there, had a great time, fortunate enough to – people i was hanging out with knew the guy who was putting on that event and and got us up to the vip section which was really cool um got to you know shake hands with the legend tim grunhard from the chiefs uh spencer ware from the chiefs i got to shake his hand yeah it was pretty cool um there there was a couple other chiefs that came through there too uh I think uh, Derek Derek Thomas's son or stepson was there, which Derek Thomas was a legend in the game. Uh, left left the game and the world a little too early, but um, you know got to hang out there, and everybody was real nice. I mean, it was just probably, I got some videos I'll have to share with you sometime. Uh, 
there there's it's, it was a really cool experience so that was saturday night and then then you know obviously sunday was game day right so on saturday um that first bar experience that you had went to was that part of the package yeah it was um okay. tap 42 yeah it was part of the package like it was part of our whole chiefs takeover um package and you know like i said you get a couple drinks free and then uh a certain percentage off of your uh, bill. I think it was like 20% or something like that, which is which is reasonable when you're on vacation. So, do, do you know? I'm assuming they probably had one for the 49ers too. Yeah, they did. Like I said, it was the same uh, hospitality group put had packages in play for the 49ers. Okay. So, um, we actually, oddly enough, uh, we had some 49ers in our hotel, and and technically uh, our hotel was supposed to be like a Chiefs package, but they could they they accidentally booked the wrong one. Oh no so then we had some 49ers fans that were in our hotel which was all fine and fun you know and then but the worst part was is because they had that then the, um, Sunday we actually had like this uh, Chiefs tailgate and I got some pictures from that and videos I can send to you as well for uh, you can check out it's pretty neat so basically they they had this uh, Cirque du Soleil tent. Um, okay. where, where actually Cirque du Soleil performed. I didn't go in and watch it because I was too busy enjoying the other stuff, but um, Cirque du Soleil performed, and then it was all Chiefs fans, uh, all the food and all the beverages pregame from 2 to 5 was just uh, was covered, right? So it was on the house. Okay. Um, that was part of our package. But there were some Niners fans in there because uh, <laughs> they bought the wrong package. So. Oh, my God. I can only imagine how like embarrassed they were to be there. But you know the Chiefs fans are really good fans. I mean nobody really kind of gave them crap or anything and just kind of said, hey, you know, I even saw a couple drinking beers with them. So I mean, you know, it, you, everybody's there for the same reason, right? To to cheer on their team and have a good time. It's you know that right, that's all. That's that's, cool. Nobody's there to start fights or anything. So it was a good time. So that that, that was a pregame for for Sunday. That's awesome. Um, how far away is Fort Lauderdale from Miami? You know, uh, mileage-wise, I think it was like 26 miles, but, man, it took forever. It, Did it? Uh, okay. And I don't know if it was just, you know, the anticipation, but it was definitely like <laughs> an hour, an hour and a half. I think we were on the bus that shuttled us there. Um, we Even when we went Friday to Miami Gardens for the uh, Super Bowl Live, uh, we made the mistake of going in rush hour, and uh, I think it took the Uber like two hours to get us there. Oh and gosh. so, yeah, it was, it, it, I mean, it's really close, but really far away. Was the traffic crazy like that all weekend just because of how many people were there? Um, no, I'd say like when we went, when we went Saturday, the traffic wasn't too bad. Uh, Friday night during rush hour, obviously Miami can't stop just because the Super Bowl is in town. Right. So, you know, businesses were still doing business and, um, you know, I, but I mean, it, it was normal football traffic in my mind. Okay. Um, so after the the pregame festivities on Sunday, was it pretty much just right across the street from the stadium? Yeah, it was actually in the stadium, like parking lot. So, um, like where the buses dropped us off at, there was like this. That's I guess the tent is actually like part of um the miami i can't i can't remember what the stadium's called but the miami stadium itself and so um you know it was just in the parking lot so it was just a good you know five and ten ten minute walk to the to the stadium so what was it like to be at the game because that game was obviously a nail biter uh 
So I can't even imagine just being, I went to the big 10 championship game with Jordan. I'm not an Ohio state fan, but just being there, it, it was kind of a similar situation where they were down by like two touchdowns at halftime. They come back in the, the third quarter, they close that gap and then eventually go on to win. And so I know that the atmosphere there, like, I was getting excited, even though I really didn't care at the end of the day, but actually being a Chiefs fan and, and going through those emotions and everything, like, I can't even imagine just how crazy it was in there. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was unreal. I mean, I think it, it really didn't even hit me until probably Saturday night when I was surrounded by nothing but Chiefs fans. Um, you know, I was hanging out in the Chiefs hotel, but you really didn't didn't do a lot with people inside the hotel it was until we started kind of like intermingling that it all just kind of hit like oh man getting ready to go watch my chiefs in the super bowl this is insane um so i mean i i made the point to once i got to the my seat i, I didn't leave my seat <laughs> uh I, I no bathroom no food no nothing like i said <laughs> I, I stayed in that spot the entire game. I was like, this is what I'm here for. Take it all no, in. You're not, I'm not going to miss it. So uh, as soon as it, I think I, I think I sat down probably about uh, 30 to 40 minutes before game time. And I didn't I didn't leave until until they crowned us champions. And then I, I kind of moseyed up to to the first and second rows for some uh, closer footage of the, the trophies and whatnot. So that's awesome. What would you say was the, like, split of fans? Were there more Kansas City fans than 49ers? Was it about even? You know, it, being that both teams were red, it was really hard to tell. Mm. Um, That's will, fair. And, and to mention the the side that uh, I was on was actually the quote-unquote 49ers bench side. So there was a lot of 49ers fans as well over there. So whenever they were trying to do the, you know, whose fans are louder thing, I was like, man, there's a lot of 49ers fans here. And then I'd listen for the Chiefs fans, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't sound very loud. But talking with a couple of people that were on the trip as well for the on-locations thing, um, you know, they said it, it just roared with Chiefs fans on their side. And so, you know, it's probably just where I was sitting. I couldn't really get a good pulse of, you know, the mix. But I will say when we came back in that fourth quarter, uh, the tomahawk chalk was uh, <laughs> was definitely a very pronounced uh, and very very well heard in that stadium. So, I think one of my favorite posts that I saw that you had made was the picture of you, and it looked like you'd made a buddy that you were sitting next to that was also a Chiefs fan, and you'd taken like a selfie. Um, I don't know if it was after the win or after Kansas City had gone ahead, but there was a 49ers fan behind you, and just the look on his face of like utter disappointment, that's one of my favorite things to watch for on sporting events where there's a big upset or like Michigan-Ohio State. Um, the fans of the losing team, how they go through and show people crying. I always love that. So that was like my favorite <laughs> post I saw. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I actually, that was, that was a, a still from a video. So I, uh, I remember it so vividly. So this is when, uh, Damian Williams kind of broke that, uh, that final touchdown, the one that really sealed the game away. Okay. Um, I, I just remember grabbing the one lone Chiefs fan in my area. And I just grabbed him and I, put him in front of the camera and was like, whoa, you know, screaming and like a woo girl. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and someone was like posted on my video, 
you should have seen the guy behind you roll his eyes. And I was like, I never even noticed that. And so I went back and I, I went through the video frame by frame. And sure enough, when when me and I don't even know the gentleman next to me, I just grabbed him. He's probably thinking this guy is nuts, uh, <laughs> which I mean, he was cool. Him and his dad were real, real nice from Salina, Kansas. But um, they, uh, they, yep, that guy was right there behind me, and he uh, was not overly impressed with the fact that he uh, his team was was now down and uh, I was taking their video in glory. So uh, he gave me a nice still. It's a, one of my favorite photos <laughs> from the game. Uh, to that say makes it least. even better. I think uh, I've analyzed that photo so many times. Is uh, there's it's you know his face obviously stands out, but you can see just the other uh, disappointment or confusion or uh, you know disorientation from the rest of the Niners fans and the crowd. Um, if you ever get a chance, go take a look. I mean, you'll see a lady with her hands in her face. You'll see a guy who just looks completely dumbfounded by what just happened. Um, you'll actually see another Chiefs fan up in the section behind us in that photo who's, like, cheering, like, pumped. And, I mean, that's what sports is, right? It's it's That could have easily been us. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we would have been in the picture that way, too. I mean, we had a guy in front of us, huge Niners fan. It was, you know, it was all good fun, but... Um, you know, up until that that magical fourth quarter, you know, it was it, I was feeling pretty like, oh man, I don't I don't know if we got this. And so, uh, you know, this Niners fan in front of us, every time that the Niners would do something good, a first down or a touchdown or whatnot, he turned around, kind of do finger guns at me, and oh. and the other guy, he'd be like, pow, 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 and I'm like, all right, you know, I'll let it slide. Your team's winning, <laughs> you know. And so after the game, I kind of tapped him on his shoulder, shook his hand, and said, good game, you must have ran out of bullets. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, and he thought it was funny. He laughed. And, uh, uh, you know, it was all good sportsmanship. And he's like, good game, man. It was a good win. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, no, no harm, no foul. But it's, uh, there's definitely some good, uh, good trash talking going on between the fan bases. That's awesome. And I'm glad it sounds like it was very cordial as a uh... – Bengals fan I can't say the same <laughs> I can't say that I uh, always see such a niceties being exchanged between opposing fans unfortunately right right no it was a it was a really cool time I mean uh yeah the, up until that that fourth quarter I mean it was it was definitely hard to swallow being 10 10 at halftime and then you see the game start to to lean towards the momentum was leaning towards the Niners when they went up 2010 and you know, they, they posted an interesting stat uh, at the end of the game that the Chiefs came back in the entire postseason from being down 10 or more in every game. And so, oh, wow. so that, you know, just goes to show that they're a pretty resilient team. Um, they, they, they're confident in what they can do and they don't get, they don't get shaken up by, you know, a few points here and there because they can score quickly and they have great weapons. So, right. Um, was the award ceremony anything special? I remember um, at the Big Ten Championship, I thought it was really funny because when they dropped all of the confetti and streamers and things like that, and when they do the awards presentation on TV, it just looks like all of that is taking up the entire stadium. But in reality, mm. at least when we are at the Big Ten Championship, it was literally like a teeny tiny portion <laughs> of the field. Yeah, so I mean, it, it was definitely the whole field, um, which was pretty cool. But they did kind of center their focus in the Chiefs end zone, 
which ultimately was really far away from where I was. I was over by the 49ers end zone. Okay. Um, but they did shoot off confetti across the entire the entire field. And uh, I even read an article that they like that they shot off tweets uh, about like the team and you know winning people posting about winning the Super Bowl and what it would mean to them and all that. And so I guess they printed those out and those were in the confetti too. And and they were oh, telling the so Chiefs cool. the Chiefs players to pick them up because they could read you know their fans and whatnot, which is kind of neat. So it's crazy. That is really cool. Yeah, I remember seeing one of the Chiefs fans like. Our Chiefs players doing like a snow angel in the confetti and just kind of <laughs> just having fun with it. So, what was the seeing the halftime show like? Oh, you know I'm not I'm not I'll admit I'm not a big Shakira and Jennifer Lopez fan of the music, but that that concert was rocking in the stadium. That's uh, awesome. You know they had the uh, the audio acoustics, everything was just like. Like it was, it was an awesome. We were, and and oddly enough, we had we they made, had us play like a part in it. So um, they uh, gave everybody these like Pepsi wristbands. Um, and then if you watch the halftime show, you'll see like the crowd, like lights in the crowd. That's okay. actually some wristbands that they had on our seats. Um, you put your put it up, and then they would control the color of the wristband based on what part of the show. So. Oh, that's really cool. Technically, I, it was my halftime, too. <laughs> Starring Dusty Mitchell. Yeah, featuring uh, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira featuring Dusty Mitchell um, <laughs> and his wrist. And so, his wrist. But, yeah, that was pretty cool. It was it was really good. Like, I mean, it went by so quick. And, um, you know, that stadium is beautiful. It's, uh, it's got four very large screens in each of the corners, so... You know what you couldn't see on the field. You could what the you would see kind of what the TV would see. Now I know that it sounds silly, but um, you know for the most part you're watching the game. But if you want to get a closer look at the play, you know those like four billion feet wide screens that they got up there. You could it was pretty good to good to kind of catch the up close and personal view. Right, so. that makes sense. Out of curiosity, and you don't have to tell me how much you spent, but if someone were looking to go to a Super Bowl in future years, can you give like a general price range based off of um, sure. what you had seen through the packages? Obviously, like you said, there's definitely there's always going to be some high rollers and there's always going to be uh, be really expensive packages. But for maybe some of us more, what I would consider an average Joe, yep. um, how much should we expect to spend on a trip like that? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it really depends on timing too, right? So, um, supply demand kicks in and, you know, luckily for us, we were able to get our tickets a little ahead of time, but not before the prices started to kind of jump up. So, I mean, we put uh, the, the ticket itself, I mean, I'll tell you what face value was on. It was 3,300 bucks. Um, and that was my ticket, but you know, and, and it was, uh, I paid above face value for that ticket. Um, and, and, and even in the time that I bought my ticket, like within the next day, I was seeing that that price had jumped up uh, even another like 20 to 30 percent. Wow. Uh, and so they actually they had mentioned that they thought this was going to be one of the most expensive Super Bowls you go see. Um, so, you know, if you're able to get a ticket at face value, it's it's considered a win. Um, there were some people that I'd ran into that had tickets kind of in the upper deck kind of region. 
that um, that was in the lower bowl, but the upper in the upper deck, I think they were around eighteen hundred face value. Okay. So, you know, it, I mean, it depends on your level of interest in the game. If you, you know, I know, I know um, Jake Brochu. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Uh, he was there with uh, his, Shannon's family, um, and I guess they go. They've been to the Super Bowl a few times. So, really, I think it's just you know, if it's something you like to go do, you like those kind of events, then. You know, obviously you can plan and budget for it, but, you know, you got to kind of get a pulse on your team ahead of time to say, is this the year we're going? You know, if you're a Lions fan um, or a, a Bengals fan and your team's off to like a 6-7-0 and start and you think you got a shot, you know, you might be looking at maybe you think if you really think that they got a shot to go, maybe get a ticket ahead of time. They'll, you'll get them at face value and then worst case scenario, you'll probably end up being able to sell it on a, you know, secondary market. So, yeah, that's what we ended up doing with those Big Ten tickets. Is we bought them before um, it was finalized which teams would be going, and um, we did see the price ended up, you know, doubling at some point from the time we purchased them until the time um, it was a couple of weeks out before the game. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, I think that'd be the best way to do it, right? If you think your team's got a real shot, or you know, and you can kind of shell that out up front before knowing and just kind of sit on it um, as soon as they're available to people, then that might be your best bet to get a, a, cheap, a cheap ticket to the to the game, right? So Yeah, but I think it's what you make it to because, like you said, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. You're not really planning on doing something like this ever again, and especially if, if that's your team, like, it would be worth it. I think – yeah. I don't know if we'll ever see the Bengals ever go to a Super Bowl, but if we did, I think Jordan, hands down, would be like, no, we're going. It's no questions asked. It's like, all right. Right. I mean, it's one of, I, I talk to Lions fans, and they joke, too, and say, I wouldn't go if the Lions made the Super Bowl. I'm like, you might change your tune if they actually went. <laughs> it mean, That's if just you, the pessimism. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're in the mindset of, you know, we're never going to go, so why would I go if they go? Well, right. if, if they make it, that means they probably had a really awesome season and you may want to change your tune. So, yeah, you'd want to be a part of that. You'd, you'd want to be a part of that history because the Lions had never been to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's yeah. their first ever appearance. You know, you got to, you know, this is this was big for the Chiefs fans because it had been 50 years. So imagine what it will be for Lions fans when they've never done it since uh, the Super Bowl era started. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, travel tips. So if there is someone who is listening, that's, you know, their team ends up making it in the next season, um, outside of maybe looking to purchase tickets before it's finalized. Um, do you have any other suggestions or tips for people um, who might consider going? Yeah, I think, um, one of the things that took a lot of pressure off of me was doing that whole package deal. Um, you know, for me, it, it just took a, a lot of the weight off of my shoulders with the hotels booking, um, with the the travel to and from the the Super Bowl itself. Like they had a shuttle for us. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I mean, we just had to get on the shuttle at 12:30, and and then we were on our way to the Super Bowl that that Sunday. So, um, and then they'd pick us up in, an hour after the trophy presentation. Uh, which worked out for us because we got the trophy. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I would I would say you know look into those kind of package deals. Only go through reputable you know 
sellers and and you know that that company was pretty good everything they did was awesome they gave us like a care package so i got a bunch of super bowl memorabilia to even start before the before we even got to you know sunday i got like football and and whatnot i got all kinds of stuff so did um, that package include any meals outside of the tailgating before the game uh no uh but it, it wasn't too bad to get food i mean the hotel i was in the Westin had a really really nice uh restaurant reasonably priced uh their lobster quesadilla was amazing Ooh. Uh, yeah uh at least i'm pretty sure it was a quesadilla i don't know it was lobster and it was rolled up in a tortilla so um i think i ate it two nights in a row <laughs> so it had to have been good Who cares? yeah because i was like you know i'm never gonna get this again and it's pretty That's- awesome <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I would I would recommend trying to find that where you get the majority of your your travel and all that. Someone else takes care of the booking, kind of like a travel agent. Um, you know, if you're a little bit more, you, you know, you'll pay a little bit extra for that convenience, but you'll have a peace of mind um, that that you and outside of you know booking and getting a ticket and then trying to find a hotel room when they're all already booked. You know, how far away are you from the hotel? Or, or from all the action or how far from the Super Bowl, you know, then you got to put all those things into account. And, you know, it was just just so much easier to know that I was right there with it. You know, if I wanted to Uber to something outside of, you know, rush hour, it wasn't too bad. Um, and, you know, it, it was just to me, it was just much more simple. Right. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Jordan, and I have talked about not anything near traveling to the Super Bowl because again I don't know if we'll ever see the Bengals get that far but um, they've played in London a couple of times over the the past few years so I think that's one of the trips that we want to take that would be really fun is to do a package similar to what you described but go over to to watch the London games that they play in yeah that'd be really cool Um, you know you never know with the Joe Burrow era if you guys draft them so yeah we've already talked about it because the I don't follow football as closely as Jordan and know as much, obviously. Um, but I just kind of am sponge-like, I guess. I'm almost like a kid, and I just say things based off of comments I've heard him make. And so I know that he's always usually really unhappy with the Bengals drafting. So I I was playing devil advocate with him, and I was like, Jordan, what if we don't draft Joe Burrow and he was like, no, we're, we're going to. I was like, I don't know. So we've agreed that if the Bengals don't draft him, then we're just going to become Saints fans because we both like the Saints. There you go. You can yeah. become Chiefs fans. I mean. That's true. But I don't want to seem like a bandwagon fan anywhere. You don't have to. You have a, you have an in. You have me. That's true. That's true. I do like the Chiefs. I like Mahomes. And um, we did have Spencer Ware on our. Travis yeah, Kelsey. Oh yeah, Jordan's a huge Kelsey fan. He's a, yeah, that's I mean he's a I mean you think about it, you could you could just you could take that that one step hop to the Chiefs by just saying we love Kelsey so much. He's a former Cincinnati guy and oh. and we followed him to the Chiefs. That actually makes sense. I didn't realize he and, came And everybody can shut up. Cool. Well, that's all the questions that I think I have. I don't know if there's anything else you want to tell the lovely people. No, but like I said, you know, if you get, if you just just think um, one of the other factors, and I, I don't like to get onto this too much, but you know, the the, the weekend before the AFC Championship was the, uh, or actually the weekend after the AFC Championship was the um, the tragic loss of Kobe, right? So 
you know, it just kind of puts things in perspective that if you get an opportunity to do something in life, take it because you may not ever get a chance. So um, if you get these opportunities, don't don't pass on them because it's just a matter of time before uh, life life does what it needs to do and catches up with you. So yeah, before our time comes. Yeah, that was one of those things. Is like you know, not to say that it was a reason and why we why we made the decision to go, but it kind of kind of puts it in perspective perspective you know this may never happen again in my lifetime it took 50 years i wasn't alive when the first one happened right Uh, and then here's an opportunity to go do a diehard chiefs fan you know whatever we got to do to make it happen and and i'm just blessed to to be able to go do it and um have a lovely wife who supported me through it and and you know was there to say go So there you have it, folks. Another big thank you to Dusty. And he's got two precious children and his wife. So I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us a little bit about your experience at the Super Bowl. So as I was preparing for my conversation with Dusty, I started to get curious as to how a city becomes the host of the Super Bowl. It sounds like the model has recently changed. And to be honest with you, it was very difficult to find information about the history or the evolution of how a host city for the Super Bowl was selected. The articles that I was finding had referenced that the deciding factor used to be warm weather, but it didn't really provide any additional information as far as was this a vote of the owners? Were the same warm cities just continuously rotated between? So if you have any insight as to the evolution or the history of how Super Bowl cities were selected, especially early on in the process is where I'm struggling to find information, um, go ahead and shoot me a message. But up until recently, the NFL used a bidding process. So essentially different cities with NFL teams would submit an application. Once their application was approved, they would put together a bid, which was a document that was upwards of 600 pages that gave detail as to why they should be considered for hosting the Super Bowl. It also included a lot of information to prove that they met the minimum specifications or requirements to be a host city as well. But these cities would compile their bid and then they would have to give a presentation to the owners and then the owners would vote based off of those presentations which city would get to be the host. Historically, stadiums that were in warmer climates were selected to host the Super Bowl, which makes sense because originally a lot of stadiums and arenas, um, they didn't have a dome, right? So they were open to the elements. 34 of the now 54 Super Bowls that have been played have been in one of the following cities, Miami, Tampa, New Orleans, Los Angeles, Pasadena, or San Diego. So this past February, the Super Bowl was held in Miami, Florida. And after this past Super Bowl, that actually makes Miami um, the leading host city of the Super Bowl. So they've hosted 11 times. Before this February, they were actually tied with New Orleans at 10. So a little fun fact there for you. Minneapolis, Minnesota, they hosted the Super Bowl in 2018. 
And back in 2014, a Minneapolis newspaper actually leaked some of the minimum specifications that a city had to meet in order to host the Super Bowl. So here's a list of all of these rules and regulations that your city must meet in order for us to consider you to host the Super Bowl. And I think the the newspaper even posted the entire document. It was like 153 pages. I'll be sure to put the link to that on my blog in case you're interested in checking that out. But this newspaper also pulled out some highlights as far as minimum requirements go. So the stadium had to be able to seat a minimum of 70,000 people. The NFL was to receive 100% of the ticket revenue. And I think that's something that still holds true today. Uh, They had to have a plan for inclement weather. There were parking requirements. There were requirements as far as how many hotel rooms had to be within a 60-minute drive. There were requirements about local law enforcement. And then one that I thought was comical and worth mentioning is that the NFL required usage of three golf courses and two bowling lanes. I wouldn't want to be golfing in Minneapolis in February, so it's possible that maybe that was in some of the the meetings in the months prior to the Super Bowl, but seems kind of silly. Overall, it did sound like there was some room for negotiation if a city didn't meet those specifications. Now, it's just that the NFL asks a city if they would like to host and they can accept and they will negotiate the terms from there. And it sounds like that change was as recent as May of 2018. So that's when they started this new Uh, selection process. There wasn't a whole lot of information as to how the NFL decides who to present the opportunity to, but there was some speculation that uh, cities that are building new stadiums or making improvements to their existing stadiums would be considered as some of the front runners when selecting the next locations. Now, the Super Bowl locations are determined a couple of years in advance. From what I can tell, it's about five years in advance. So if you think that you have interest in going to one of the upcoming Super Bowls or if you have a team that potentially could make it and you're wondering where they might end up, Super Bowl 55 in 2021 will be hosted in Tampa, Florida. The Super Bowl in 2022 is going to be in Los Angeles, California. 2023, you're looking at Glendale, Arizona. And 2024, the Super Bowl will be hosted in New Orleans, Louisiana. I was a little surprised that Las Vegas wasn't on the list. The Raiders are in the process of finishing up their stadium, I believe. So they're moving from from Oakland to Las Vegas. I believe that's supposed to open this fall in 2020. Jordan and I, we were out west and had stayed a couple of nights in Las Vegas back in 2018. And we actually stayed at a hotel that was literally right across the street from where they were building the new stadium. So I would have thought for sure that uh, the Super Bowl would be hosted at that brand new stadium. So I wouldn't be surprised if in 2025 or 2026, that was the location that was announced. If you're interested in going to a Super Bowl, whether that's just for kicks and giggles or it's because your team specifically made it to the big event, be sure you start saving and maybe even start saving today. Uh, You heard Dusty reference some of the expenses you're going to incur and kind of a, a minimum price range you can expect. I was looking at some of the articles that talked about this February Super Bowl and it sounded like at minimum, you could expect to spend 
$5,000. And that was only when they were taking into consideration the flight, the cost of staying at the hotel, and then the cost of your ticket. So that didn't include meals, that didn't include any of the extra activities you were interested in participating in. There's a whole, I think it's like a seven to 10 day time frame in which there are concerts and other activities that the city puts on in preparation for the Super Bowl. I think in Miami, I had seen they were doing um, like a culinary expo in addition to some of the concerts and things like that. So it's this big event. You're probably going to be spending money to do some of the additional activities that are there. And that $5,000 was for a single person. So if you're planning on going with a friend or a spouse, you're going to have the added cost of an additional ticket as well as an additional round trip flight. So the link to that article that talks about the costs associated with this past year's Super Bowl, I will also have that accessible for you in my blog. Now, if you find yourself feeling a little bummed because the city you live in or the city of your favorite team has not hosted a Super Bowl, don't be too upset. As I was looking through articles, I found numerous articles where economists had referenced that it's not worth it for a city to host the Super Bowl. So the NFL claims that a city can bring in between 300 and 500 million dollars if they were to host the event. And after crunching some numbers, sports economists claim that it's more reasonable or more feasible to expect that a city would make between 30 and $130 million, which is just a fraction of what the NFL claims. And I don't know about y'all, but I hate crowds. I know that if the Super Bowl were hosted in a city that I was frequenting because I lived there or I traveled there for work regularly, I know that I would just be in a grumpy mood having to deal with all the extra tour but there are a lot of costs and other expenses that people don't think about that are associated with hosting an event of this scale. Uh, So a lot of times there are tax breaks that are given to the NFL, for example, as you heard from the minimum specs that was listed earlier, uh, the NFL is making 100% of the ticket revenue. So that's a whole lot of money that the host city isn't even seeing. There's a significant amount of money and costs and efforts that go into lining up security and law enforcement for an event of this scale. And there are other requirements that vary uh, per host cities. So one of the articles that I had read had mentioned that when Glendale, Arizona hosted the Super Bowl back in 2008, the mayor reported that they actually lost $1 million. And then there was a year that San Francisco hosted and they stated that they racked up a $4.8 million public services bill. So there's just a lot of expenses that I think people don't realize go into this type of an event. And from what it sounds like, and it sounds like a lot of times those expenses are covered by the taxpayers residing in that locality. So if your city isn't hosting the Super Bowl, that's one last thing that you have to worry about. I will also have the link to that article in my blog. It had a lot of interesting information and I'm normally, when it comes to economics, my eyes just kind of gloss over and everything goes over my head, but it was talking about some different principles that were really interesting um, when calculating how much money a city brings in for hosting the Super Bowl. So for all my nerds out there that are interested in learning more about the economic impact of hosting a Super Bowl, you can have access to that via the Travel with Thomas Wick blog. But I think that's a wrap for today. 
Again, next episode, we're going to be recapping my honeymoon to Jamaica. You'll definitely want to tune in for that. There's going to be um, a lot of good stories, information, tips on bringing liquor and alcohol back into the States from other countries. There's going to be so many pictures and so much more. So I hope you'll come back for that. But until then. Hey, yo, don't you know?